0: Hi, we're back. It is just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Cameron. With me today, it's a real joy to have Hal Sparks, a a fellow Kentuckian, but also a a uh, stand-up comic. And of course, if you listen to the show, you know I, I I love to have comics on and talk about uh comedy today because I find the world fucking funny. But that's mm-hmm. just me. Uh so Hal is uh you may have first found him in uh of course, Dude, where's my car? That was the uh, first time I saw you, right? And, um oh, yeah. yep, on TV? I don't yeah. know. I wasn't with you.
1: I wasn't with <laughs> you at the time. Yeah. Uh, I will say. I and that wasn't you? Soup. Yeah. No, no. I did that after I was fired from Talk Soup, And then I, uh and Queer, but the thing is, Queer as Folk and Dude, Where's My Car, both debuted in the same weekend. Wow. I, w- I was ping-ponging, um, you know, a fan base all over the place. Yeah. I was just, yeah, just firing out both <laughs> windows driving down the street. Just to make sure, I was covering well, it. Earlier. Yeah.
0: If we're from Kentucky, firing out of both windows has a different connotation.
1: So it does. Yes. It's yeah, it it just mean how you say hello. From,
0: gun, from gunfire to jacking off, but we won't go. Well, that's true.
1: Absolutely. That, just, yeah. Throw down so, the window. You're going to make that kind of body stuff. Come on now. Yeah. Open it that up. Ain't right. God
0: that damn that ain't it, right. I gotta it. I got
1: to turn. I got
0: Anyway, right. so we're going to take a short break. Or, uh, you know, pay the bills, and we'll be right back.
2: In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content. Not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.
0: Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And... Joining us today is Hal Sparks, fellow Kentuckian, stand up comic, star of stage screen, radio, TV, and podcast, internet, and coming soon to
1: uh, pamphlets near you, I guess. So, uh Mm -hmm. yes, (laughs) my new career is a semaphore artist. (laughs) Just going to, me with an Aldous lamp, just uh, clicking out the hits. (laughs) You'll be on every platform. That's (laughs) right. Morse code next. I want to be the first, you know, know, uh, Michael Jackson, king of pop. Elvis Presley, King of Rock. I want to be the King of Morse Code. That's I don't think anybody's done it. The King of I'm Semaphore. That that's right, King of Semaphore. Just me and two flags on a rooftop, landing airplanes. But that's, that's right.
0: <laughs> uh, so Hal, I, I look. I, I I love your work, and I brought you here. I love to talk to comics about what they find funny and how you deal mm-hmm. with funny in a world that doesn't often seem very funny. In fact. I, sure. I make a joke in the press room and people think I've, you know, I've just shit on their head, but, right. um, that, so how, let, let which me... is one of
1: my favorite gags of yours, by the way, He's the like, old well, shit you. on their head gag. <laughs> I, when, I, and the fact that you can sneak up on them like that with that ladder and it's, it makes a lot of noise and yet you still manage to buy. I just love it. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a classic. Well, Trump um, loved
0: it, but, um,
1: he, he did or whatever. <laughs> uh, cause it's the best his hair ever looked. <laughs> oh, um, the question is, <laughs> I blame what, the Mexican food. But you, yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, as long as it's not, you know, refried beans. But uh that's sure. the, but the question I, I the serious question, if we can be serious, is um, yes, what do you how do you deal with comedy today? Do you find things that you, you can't talk about or that nope. people you, you just go Mm-mm. for it?
1: Yeah, no, you can joke about anything as long as you've got jokes. Anybody who complains that you can't joke about uh, and and I want any comedian who's listening to this, any comic who hears this, I want anybody who's a fan of a comic who's heard them talk like this. I want you to tell them that Hal Sparks said this. The reason they feel that way is because they're not talented. <laughs> um, you you are not funny enough for the topic you have taken on. It's as simple as that. You can joke about anything as long as you're funny,
0: as long as you get a laugh.
1: But- well, that's the thing. And yeah. most people will try to do, and it's the the quality of the jokes. So your jokes have if you're gonna hold up a very heavy topic with jokes, they gotta be strong. They have to be ironclad jokes. You cannot if it's a if it's normal, you know, what's the deal with McDonald's stuff, that's that that joke is light as a feather. You can hold that up with toothpicks. You can blow on it. it'll stay afloat. But if it's something really heavy as a topic to to lift it up, you know and and that's where those sort of analogies for people get like lifting up being uplifting right. and all that kind of stuff, which is comes part and parcel to being uh, in comedy If you're going to lift up this heavy thing you have to have the substructure of jokes that can handle it and your jokes also and a lot of people miss this part have to make sense they have to make sense as jokes not statements of fact not your attitude, not your opinion. It's not enough to go, what the fuck is the the problem with people who blah blah blah. Like that's something an asshole in line at Starbucks can say. Yeah. You're a comic. You're in you have a job to do. You have a big group of people have come into this room because you're good at this. And so you have to be better at that than they are. That's the rule. And most people try to skate, especially when they try to like they try to make a living being edgy. Because you don't have to get a laugh. If I don't get a laugh, it's not because I'm not funny. It's because these fucking people are uptight. It's a, it's a cheat. It's an out. It's lazy, and I stand by it. If you can't get a laugh on any topic that you find funny, it's because you're not talented enough to handle it. Go back to the woodshed and work on yourself. Well, and and that that
0: that can take on several meanings in the state of Kentucky as well. Well,
1: absolutely. You'd stay there, absolutely with a relative, or you know, just or a dog, small dogs,
0: spooners in your hands.
1: The slow dogs, anyways. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. The quick ones are hard to get a hold of a yeah. hind leg. And don't get me started um, on the cats. But um mm-hmm. I wouldn't.
0: <laughs> yes, amen. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> can I get a hallelujah? Uh, that's so, right. But um you just did. <laughs> yeah, I just did. So give me an idea of, of a of a topic that you're discussing that would be representative of what you've just said.
1: Well, um uh let's see like Right now, like I do a show every month at Flappers in Burbank. Uh, The last Wednesday of every month, I go there and I improv an hour of stand-up. I don't prep at all. I don't write. I just go off the cuff and I speak my mind. And the topic comes with whatever is in the news. And in a situation where, you know, Donald Trump is facing rape allegations and you're discussing sexual assault, the, you know, the, the topic itself can appear. Right, um, and that's a tough it's, topic. Sure, well, it is if you're for it, um, because you'll find that the vast majority of the audience is against you. And the couple of guys that might be there that are loudly in support are uh, not the kind of people you want to be, uh, you know, you don't want to fall asleep around them or drink anything salty or you'll be so,
2: <laughs> exactly right yeah you
1: wake up with your pants on backwards in the middle of the highway and don't ask me how i know that it's not yeah hey, we've all been there come on absolutely yes <laughs> and some of us go back we're not here to yuck anybody's yum okay <laughs> ryan that's not our job so okay. uh, yeah so that's a great example right now we just made several sexual assault related jokes around by the way the sexual assault er right there is a lot to be made fun of in those categories of people especially um uh you know you can make you can make politically analogous um jokes about you know uh complaints about rampant uh crime in san francisco and and people uh shoplifting that you know that effectively some people will argue uh and i think it's insane that because people are deprived they have the right to shoplift at some point which i think is the the rapist argument because he's not yeah. getting laid and i i would go yeah. this, this is why <laughs> criming is bad can we just stick to criming is bad <laughs> yeah, I, and basically he's like your honor i'm not a rapist i'm a Penile kleptomaniac? Like no, <laughs> maybe there's a reason you're not getting laid, um, and no one else is responsible for picking up the slack. Right. So uh,
0: no, sl- no slack intended. Uh. No,
1: right. So that's you know that's an example of like uh, like a, a heavy topic where people it, it, you're not dis you're not dismissing the genuine concerns around the topic. You're not saying right because that's that's what comedy is about. Comedy is is oftentimes about pulling back the curtain on Oz or, or exposing, we're like bullshit detectors. This is not true. This is bullshit. And right. yet we all believe it. Yet we all do it. From, the, from small scale stuff to giant political, universal, religious concepts. Across that spectrum, it is the comic's job and it is a necessary aspect of society. It is a function of society that, um, that comedians and, and, and humor itself is one of the, it's one of the reasons humans have survived because what happens is people can get very ideologically trapped they can get caught in what we would call confirmation bias these days or what they used to call cults but they get into these like <laughs> intellectual spiritual habitual cul-de-sacs where you're doing the same shit over and over again or thinking the same shit over and over again when it doesn't serve you and it's not true Spider that big sorry go ahead <laughs> nice yeah. i didn't realize you're down in australia doing the show live with Brian crocky we're over here rocky got a spider the size of a dinner plate on my backside so and that's dinner all right dinner um, or as i like to call it a barbecue so um in in comedy what if you yell at those people If if you see people in confirmation bias if they're stuck in an ideological hole and we see this all the time politically everywhere Every day, if you uh, if you address them in a serious tone and in an accusatory fashion, some of them will you can shame 10 percent of them out of the cul-de-sac because they don't like being yelled at and they feel stupid. So they'll leave. But that doesn't mean they agree with you. That just means they left and you no longer they're no longer part of the conversation. But the rest of them, 90 percent of people will dig in. They will commit more to the bad idea because it's no longer about the idea. It's about fuck you. and It's about self-pride. It's, you know, by God, I didn't make a mistake. You're the mistake. That's right. Exactly. And even if I did make a mistake, it's my mistake. Who the fuck are you? you. Like there's all, there's dozens of layers of that kind of bullshit, which in history have caused uh, enormous religious wars and cultural wars and violence and horrifying stuff. And- humor is a way of talking people out of those cul-de-sacs gently because you're like hey i got caught in that cul-de-sac i'm just like you we did that you know you right. know what? the last time last week i was caught in my own cul-de-sac of whatever the fuck and you do that and i do that we all do that and this is dumb and here's why it's a, this is the wrong cul-de-sac you've got come on head on down let's the go road to my cul-de-sac
0: it's a funner yeah, cul-de-sac. Right.
1: well let's let's all get back onto the main road and start going in the direction of being better people and having more fun and living a better, fuller life. That's the idea. And these cul-de-sacs stop people from doing that. And comedians, historically, will roll in and say, you're stuck in a cul-de-sac and there's no shame in it unless you stay, in which case we'll all laugh at you.
0: right? Because right. you chose
1: to stay even though we were being nice. So are you, are um, you
0: more of a court jester or a
1: philosopher? Well, that's the thing. Um, uh, there, I guess there's part of both. But the role of the court jester, interestingly enough, most people mistook the role of the court jester as he was the king's comedian and the court's comedian. He would just make jokes and be silly and whatever the fuck. That's not what he did. No. He was the Don Rickles of the court. Yes. And he would come in and He would never make fun of the king, but he would shit on all the other people who actually knew how to run everything, the agricultural minister, the religious heads, whatever. He would fuck with those people and take them down a peg so they never thought they were higher than the king. They served a purpose. And it took the pressure off them because if they could take a joke and they were accommodating to it, the king was like, all right, he knows he's not going to be king one day, so I don't have to worry about him. And it saved their life. The court jester was like a pressure valve to keep the kingdom from eating itself. And I had a that, date like that and,
0: once,
1: for sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because you don't know how far to put the seat back. Yeah, that's, and uh, <laughs> is yeah. it a Nash so, rambler?
0: Can it fold? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> well, the you know the the best ones are the ones that have the trunk access seats. And of course, <laughs> yeah. of course, there's a you know if you're the kidnapee, anyways. it's Yeah, that's, I've found, I've yeah. found. So. I've heard. So what? What What happened was is that the court jester effectively was this for this one person who had all the power, right? And in a democracy, everybody has a certain amount of that power, and and it's and we've all become in many ways kings of our own kingdoms, and so we sit in you know and traditionally in the in the big easy chair throne with our digital scepter going off with his head, off with his head, off with his head, off with his head, and we can choose orange whatever head, we want. Orange head. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so what comedians do is, more, is, is let off that pressure valve of the interactive tyrant, the individual tyrant that everybody can potentially be in, in our society. You, you tamp down that pressure or you release some of it so that they feel like, all right, we're, I, okay, we were just joking around. And they live in that space instead of the pressure building and building and building and building. And that's why I believe comedy is sacrosanct. That if, that it is an act, of sexual violence. You want to talk about like bringing back around yeah. callback. It is an act of sexual violence. I love callback. To enter <laughs> enter a comedy club and get offended at yeah. jokes uh, about, uh, about sex or any of those things. It is because this is a safe space for jokes. We have established like a church that we've made a building. This is about jokes. This place is about jokes. We know we're joking. The fucking it's called the haha ha cafe for a fucking reason there's a big emblem outside that lets you know that's what goes on you inside you can't
0: it. joke about that stuff you're a, you're a phobic you're you're a personophobe that's right. you can't come in here and make these jokes because we can't
1: take it no more well that's that's apelist yeah because yes. a, a phobia is is a mental disorder and i can't help it if i'm if i have a phobia about something <laughs> Am I bigoted towards spiders if I have arachnophobia? Uh, and so if you call me a, a monster because I'm afraid of spiders, doesn't that make you an ableist? See how yes. the trap works? <laughs> yeah. That, um well I've
0: seen spiders set those traps, so yes.
1: Let's, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let me yeah. He's coming by. <laughs> ah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I I I'm I'm very strict about that. And you will find. That the 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 jokes that are quote unquote offensive, are the ones that don't work. Yeah, the I, only I, offensive I'll... thing in a comedy club is a joke that isn't funny. And clapter doesn't count. To all my political comedy friends, if the yeah. audience is doing this, that ain't a laugh. No, but no. You can get you can get applause for a violin concerto, motherfucker. Comedy has one single proper response: laughter. That's it. You either get laughs or you're not, or they're listening. That's so the only the, two options. What's the best laugh you ever got? Mm. I'll tell you what the, the tough crowds. Yeah. Every comedy club in this country, no matter where you are, you go and do a weekend there, Thursday to Sunday, whatever your window is Thursday through Saturday, Friday to Sunday, whatever it is. And you do five shows. Everybody will tell you one of those shows is the fucked up show. Be <laughs> It'll be the late night Friday show, usually, or Mm -hmm. the early Saturday show. And there are two reasons for that. that usually are about personal relationship dynamics in that they were supposed to go to the early show and she was fucking around. And he was late from work and they were arguing and they didn't decide what they were going to have for dinner. So they missed the first show. So they decided to come to the second show because she's not going to have sex with them unless they go see something live. Cause movies aren't, don't qualify. This has got to be a real date. We've got to go someplace. So he brought her to the comedy club or, you know, or she brought him whatever the fuck. And that late night show, there's tension. But yes. They're exhausted. This is the this is the crowd and this is the one everybody complains about. They will warn you about it. And to me, this is my most cherished crowd because these are the people that need the laugh the most. And any laugh you get out of them is 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 the equivalent of of winning the clean and jerk in the Olympics. <laughs>
0: Fully clothed. Another, which takes on another meeting in Kentucky, but yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> well, minus clean. Yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. Unless like it's that, Saturday night, <laughs> when you bring a crowd, when you bring a crowd around, that's that's yes. the moment. Yeah. When you, and it and it isn't because they love me. It isn't because I, you know, they finally figured out how awesome I am. Blah blah blah. It's because I. As a service professional, found the problem and fixed it. There now, was a, yeah.
0: No, go ahead. The, go ahead. There was finish. a kink I, in their I,
1: comedy I, hose, and I, uh, I found it. <laughs> I, I straightened it out.
0: Man, you're just setting me up for all these punchlines. I am. I'm trying. <laughs> I know. I've got, got you.
1: You're I'm, just dealing out the, the setup. Absolutely. It's just so- I can't decide if it's whack a mole or if I'm on the side of the moles themselves at this point. <laughs> well, you've been the mole and I've been whacked. so that's that's where right, you go. <laughs> um, the the
0: question I have for that is, um, mm-hmm. all right. So your your best laugh you find you get on a, a, at the shows where the, that's hardest to get a laugh. I get right. that. What's more fun? Now you've you've been a road comic, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. So on the road what's more fun making
1: waitresses is that what, what you mean <laughs> or, or,
0: or the coffee cups now making the, the making the uh, making the audience laugh or afterwards and well you know full confession you don't know but i you know i i did comedy for and still do but mm-hmm. you would go afterwards you know you go out afterwards and you have coffee with everybody that's on the bill yeah. what's more fun making the audience laugh or the other comedians
1: it depends on the comedians, honestly. Like, cause That's that that true. sounds like a party, and that could happen anytime. Um, and uh, you know, I, I there are, there are definitely times when there's like three dudes that I you know hung around with, and and two girls, by the way, and in, in this crowd that over the years from the '90s on, um, I did stand up with them, open mics, all kinds of stuff like that, and we could sit and and piss ourselves silly laughing. That's super fun. Yes, but it's also, it has nothing to do with stage comedy. True, it, it, that would I think that would be true if we were all musicians. Like, we, well, that's it's just the other a personality thing. That's yeah,
0: well, uh, yeah. Sometimes I find with other comedians, it's like, hey, I I, I can pull a rabbit out of a hat. Now I've got two. You know, that's it's that right.
1: kind of yeah. The one-upsmanship is great. The stacking yeah. is awesome. That's and that's where it's more like sharpening knives for me, which is where it has its yes. value. That's what the good it's part a good is. Analogy. Where everybody, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's sharpening their knives, you know, and that helps you benefit from being around that because it's a skill set. Again, it's professionals getting together and having their own little mini conventions for to spread better techniques to deal with the problems you deal with in your profession. Happens everywhere. And comedy is no different. It's just Can you, less, less trackable. You can't, yeah. It's less specific.
0: So uh, two questions from that. Um mm-hmm what do you remember an unexpected I'll share you what with you what I find was an unexpected laugh and tell me if you've yeah. ever had that so I'm in the white house I'm talking this is during the trump era and some of the uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it was going to get a laugh I was back in the press office talking to one of the press staffers and they were talking about how he felt un- uncomfortable because he he was known as a sexual predator uh right. you know among his staff members and uh they said you know I I I don't feel comfortable being alone with him and I, I did Rodney, and I, I said, "Oh, you t- I'm telling you, it's a tough room. I don't want to be alone with a guy." And mm-hmm. which they laughed at, which I wasn't really expecting a laugh. It was kind of nervous for me because I was, yeah, sure. I, I was like, I don't really want to talk about the president being a sexual predator. Uh, he was a, enough of an asshole, obnoxious asshole, that I didn't didn't have to go past that. But it was the right. unexpected laugh that, uh, you know, this is a person I had never gotten along with. Still don't right. get along with all that well, but we had that moment of bonding where it was like an unexpected laugh that brought unexpected uh, right. dividends.
1: Well, you, you you had a situation where, where this person was sharing uh, in confidence a, right. a real concern. Yes. and there was genuine tension there, tension that will not be relieved materially. There is no out. There is no right. situation where because this person might end up in a room with Trump or may never. And it won't come up. But in the realm of that possibility, that fear is just a lurking fear. Right. And what you did in that moment is smack the ghoul that, that was standing behind them. You walked yeah. up and just kind of like that. And or you know, or you hit you pied it in the face. And that is people need that. And it's been that what that laugh came from was that genuine tension. You right. broke that tension. And that's so- good because that's the that's the surprise laugh. That's the horror laugh. Um, it's why the movie uh, Man Bites Dog is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And it is just fucking <laughs> atrocious. I've seen it, I, yeah. <laughs> I laughed so hard in that. Fu- I, watched I, the, I, I laughed I watched at The at- Exorcist, though. Don't get me started. Sure. Was- well, that's that's <laughs> just because you have issues with whatever. Yeah, um, you know, because <laughs> you were oh, hanging look, out with Murray Landstrom. And Linda Be- Blair is dating him at the time. And <laughs> it's just weird. Um, yeah, but no. Right, but the you know, and again, you can laugh sometimes in a horror moment when the tension is broken by a a a bad special effect. That happens all the time, right? That's what happened. You that basically in that moment, the rubber head spinning around gave you that. (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't keep up my suit? It was this color when I came in here. You know whatever it was. (laughs) So the uh, but there but if you can. So do you, you have dis- that moment? Have you ever had Yeah, that oh, oh, oh. well I had there were a couple of interesting, I had an. I'll give you an opposite one because it's okay. it's kind of similar. So I was and in, in the same topic. So I was doing a joke about the date rape drug. Yes. Um because it was it was a big topic mid mid to late 90s. Scopolamine. Really started up. Yeah, yeah, and 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 roofies particularly. And roof, yeah. Yeah. And um I I had the the you know, I built it structurally so I'm a, I'm a Carlin head. I believe in constructed comedy love Carlin. and I've written it out and I broke down. I had my three columns for people that don't know if you're a mercenary comic, if you're writing about a topic that isn't just hundred percent inspiration, what you do is you create a three column chart. This is everything I've ever heard people say about this topic. This is everything, uh, every lie I've ever heard of people say that what wrong about it. And this is my opinion on those things. And then they go through, and then the joke's kind of your brain because your comic starts cranking jokes from that, mixing those three columns. And I had done that on this particular topic because I was, again, I was like, it's a very serious topic and I want to make it funny, but I want to address the fact that it's disgusting that they call it, the, the premise that drove me to it was, I find it disgusting to call it the date rape drug because- once the raping starts, date's over. The date's over. And, <laughs> right. So is the premise. So I'm how's like, your date Fuck.
0: go? It was fine up until the rape. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. It's like charging people for um, you know, attempted murder less than murder. Like motherfucker, you're not less guilty because you're an <laughs> just because I just cause I walked out the wrong fucking door doesn't make you less of a murderer. Just because yeah. your hand was sweaty and you fucking fumbled the gun, you are yeah. still gonna kill me, you dumb fuck. So yeah. you attempted murder is this you get the same thing in my mind. So date rape drug, I was like, how fucking dare you? Because at the point he doses you, it was always gonna be a rape. Right. Was, you might have thought it was a date, but he didn't. So that part bothered me. And they talked about it and they called it, and so the joke premise was about. The label, and I think that's one of those cul de sac ideas. Everybody talks about this in terms of the date rape drug, and I'm like, it's just the rape drug. The date right. was always a farce, right? And that bothered me, so I wrote this bit, and I and I go, um, it's you know, it, I I I had put at the end, like, sort of the punchline, and but I described it as like you know the date rape drug, like why do they call it the date rape drug? It knocks her out, you know. I you know, date somebody who's unconscious. I'm not going to pay, you know, seven bucks for a movie. She's going to sleep through. I'm not going to pay twenty bucks for a meal. She's going to have her head in. You know, is, the, is you know, like that was. So I would start with that bit and then kind of get to my premise that that it was absurd. But people got the impression that I was sort of okay with it or pro pro date right, right because right because of that thing. So what I did was I effectively. And I was like, I was angry about it. I was like, you motherfucker, of course I'm not. Listen to the rest of the bit. Like I had the same early comic anger about like, this audience doesn't get me. Yeah, right. And I was like, it's not, it, I got news for you, motherfucker. It, that's your job. Your job. Yes, that's. If they, I, yes. If they don't get it, you don't get it. So, so what I did was. Again, a good was Kentucky like,
0: euphemism, but go ahead.
1: That's right. So I took the, um the, But, you know, I ended on once the raping starts dates over, um, you know, at that premise after I'd come back around to the concept and I just brought it to the front. I just took what effectively was my punchiest line, I thought. And instead of putting it at the end where it goes, I moved it right up in the beginning and it became kind of like a cold open or a teaser on a television show that showed you who the murderer was. Right. And like a Columbo episode where you always know who did it. And then you watch how he finds out Excuse me ma'am right? yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah man <laughs> one more question one, yeah, just one the more train, question if the train lasts at one point <laughs> yeah the train left the station at 7 30 <laughs> you said you were on this train where you um i fucking love peter fox <laughs>
0: anyways did, so you said you didn't kill your husband but you're standing in you know, a gun in your hand and the bullet came out what
1: what, what happened yeah what yeah. did it fall out of the barrel <laughs> yeah. um so by the way if you haven't seen vibes with him and Cindy Lauper and oh. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs>
0: well, Britain. how about the greatest? Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the great race yeah. with uh him. Yes. Oh, he's he's but, hilarious in that.
1: But Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel wrote wrote uh, "Vibes," yeah. and it's oh, yeah. just nonstop fucking jokes. It's so good. Um. <laughs> so anyway, last uh, let me yeah. Yeah, let me get my yeah. last question before we go to break.
2: Um,
0: yeah. you also play music, which uh, yes. And, and that is again, one of my, to me, that's the greatest since I'm, you know, like many comedians, I can't tell you the number of comedians I've been with who go, the audience doesn't get me. And I go, no, you're just not that fucking funny. I'm, I'm the guy that's always the middle act. I've got, I've got a tight five. I've got a good 10. I can do 25. And after that, I'm done so that's <laughs> that's that's yeah, i don't I, even
1: start rolling till i'm 15 in yeah, and then i and then once i hit 90 minutes i'm like we're all going what i've been f- up here 10 minutes right is that yeah, oh like well much? yeah we have a friend of I ours do.
0: that we used to let he couldn't get a laugh i don't know how he headlined but he would be in uh local uh you know in dc mm-hmm. and right. uh we'd all sit in the back you know you you, you get the light with two minutes. And one night we, he, he wouldn't come off and he wasn't, and he was getting pissed at the audience. He was, mm-hmm. it was, he was almost like a local Larry David in that regard. He would piss people sure. off. And so yeah. um, the other, the headliner stood in the back and actually lit a, a newspaper on fire and set off the fire alarms. To Just to him, get him off. To
1: get him off the stage. That's the greatest hook in, <laughs> yeah. in yeah American history. Yeah. But, right. <laughs>
0: but i get um, my greatest thrill out of playing i mean if, yes. is it and i often found it's harder if you lose an audience with comedy man that's hard to get them back but if you lose one with with a with a
1: song you can get them back on the next song well in theory because it's an entirely different chapter and and the arrangement of how you put your songs together is usually based on the energy flow of the night you can always right. swap stuff around i have a bit that i do when I'm doing like music festivals, I have some bits that I that are related to you know thematically pro- appropriate. And one of them is about J- Zach Wild from Black Label Society and Ozzy's band, um, and and a real show I was at where it was the last night of the tour. He was going into rehab the next day. He just found his wife uh, out. His wife was fucking somebody while he was on the road right before the gig, and he was drunk for what was going to be the last time. Um, in his mind because he's going into rehab the next day. And, it, and and the show fell apart from there because of technical issues. His monitor went out. There was all kinds of shit. And it, to the point where he, they closed the curtain at the House of Blues to protect the crowd from the band. Literally <laughs> so that they couldn't throw drums at us. It's awesome. So I, you know, um, I've seen that shit where it's not true, where you can't salvage his bag. I was at the the uh, Rolling Stone Living Color Guns and Roses show that became a riot um, in L.A. years ago in the '90s. You know, like that kind of shit. So uh, it, it it won't always save you. Most of the time, it does. Yeah. With stand up, I um I don't have a problem bringing a crowd back. I never have. And I they used to at open mics. They used to call me the bomb squad, and I would always get the shit slot. Like if I was, I always knew that if I got the latest slot of the night, I was not going to do the latest slot of the night because they were going to move me up. They were going to if somebody right. sucked. I was just going to follow them because I didn't care. My motto is care enough not to give a shit. And so I don't care metadata, whether the like last that. guy was good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um yes, and music itself is a different vibration of humanity. It just is. And yes. you can bring people around or you know or to that resonance because it is about sound waves and resonance and and the you know the pulse of the human heart and all that kind of stuff. You can literally change the pulse of someone's heart with a with a the snare drum um you know elevating from 126 beats a minute to 128 so of course it's going to be easier to to sort of riot control the audience in a music setting than stand up let's say um so but the feeling i get you know when i do the ultimate jam night at the whiskey um i host that now and i'm a regular performer there so i You know, last week I sang Rock of Ages by Def Leppard, uh, Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, and Tie Your Mother Down by Queen. (laughs) And I'm one of these, like, the higher the notes, the better. That's, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, you know, (laughs) Queensryche and Skid Row and that kind of stuff. And so I sing, uh, yeah, absolutely. I did Immigrant Song uh, a couple months, like a month ago. Yeah. Um, So we we do rock and roll and and, uh, um, Ramble On. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, next time I'm in DC, I'll pop up. We'll oh. we'll make it happen.
0: Yeah. What we should make happen is is
1: a, a White House gig. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah. We could do that. I'm for it. Yeah, yeah. that would be well, fun. I'm in I'm for it. Um the so musically, I my goal is to lose my mind. Um and because I and, and we I know you gotta go to break, but I want yeah. to but Steve Vai said, I think, the greatest thing I've ever heard about musicianship. And it is it was that um, the goal of mastery is not control, but, um, uh, but abandon. I wouldn't you disagree. Pra- you practice so much and you tune your instrument so well that you can let go of the reins, that you can just be in it. And that's why you master something. You don't master it so you have wow. You had every note exactly where it used to be. That's but not but, yeah yeah. That,
0: that's like playing a record or, or exactly karaoke.
1: And it, that's not well. And if you can do it, if you can do it, but from heart, because that's one of the things. Like when Kof. I do song, yeah, yeah, songs at the jam. That's what I. That's what I try to do. I know when you cover a song like in Nerd Halen, my my Van Halen cover band, we sound as much. Mo- oh, uh, we make jokes in between stuff and i dress as a nerd we all dress as nerds in the show but the but the songs have to sound exactly like the fans expect them to sound out of respect yeah. for them yeah and that's where that's where that mastery to abandon thing gets to me because i have to sing sammy hagar songs and david lee roth songs in the same 90 minute set neither one of them ever had to do this <laughs> necessarily. And for Sammy, it's easier for Dave, it would be, yeah. you know, sort of impossible that direction. But I can, if I can get to that point where I can let go, I don't have to worry about the notes, I don't have to worry about my ability to hit them, or any of that stuff, and I get so tuned into it that I can enjoy myself, that's the that's the level where the audience has a better time.
0: I think they have a better time if they see you having a good time.
1: Yes, absolutely. The, I feel an energy
0: level in a room when I'm having a good time. If if uh, it you know, if, if I'm not, or the, or the band behind me, isn't, then mm-hmm. I find that the, the audience will not, but if I'm oh, dancing, yeah. if I've got abandoned, if I'm hitting the notes, if I'm doing, and a lot of that is it's mastery. And then when you get on stage, it's, it's, it is letting go. I agree with that. But to your point, for example, mm-hmm. if we go out, if my band goes out and we do a stone song, for example, yeah. And- we and we do a few of those, and it, you can put your own spin on a stone song, and people go, "Hey, oh, that's a stone song," but you're doing fine. But if you go out and you do a Beatles song, and you fuck it up and don't do it, yeah, it, 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 word, for, you know, exactly like the Beatles, your audience gets pissed because yes, they,
1: they because did. Beatles fans are different than Rolling Stones fans, yeah, and those songs represent something, a different emotional resonance then then you know for for each of those groups and for the the separate groups people who don't listen to the beatles as much want to hear what they heard when they heard it yeah Um, people that the rolling stones it's meant to be loosey-goosey i mean literally you can float just on the guitar kind of movement you know that's it you can move around more because it's the nature of that music absolutely so I, have a, with, I have another theory on that. We'll wait. I know you have okay, to Okay, we're going
0: to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
2: Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show— to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve.
0: Hi, we are back. It's just asked the question I'm your host Brian Karam. and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> glad to have with us today, Hal Sparks. And how we we took a a break, and you were gonna you had one more point to give on on music, and uh, go for it.
1: Well, it's on performance, and I think yeah. it it goes beyond the concept of uh you know the audience wants to uh, see you having a good time, or that you know, and they feel re- like a release if you're having a good time. If you're not nervous, they're not nervous. That kind of stuff that applies across a lot of different art forms. And I think uh, as a comic and as a, as a comedian specifically, because again, comics say funny things, comedians say things in a funny way. And, and as a comedian, that's, uh, it's really what I view myself as uh, because of the amount of time I'm up there. But I, but what I've discovered over the, I, I believe my true feeling about it is the audience wants to agree with you about who you think you are. Good point. So good or bad, they're in agreement. So if you're nervous and you're not doing well, they agree with you, and because the, it's a you know they don't want to hope on your behalf further than you will go to to show up for the gig. So right. they, oh, this guy's nervous, like they will, you know, beyond people even want to, unless you know, wanting unless that's part to be of your nice, gig. If that's part of your persona, you're nervous. Well, yeah, well that's, that's your part of and part of this came from my buddy Chris uh, Bono, who opened for me on the road for years. He had a nervous joke style. His his whole premise was, um, he had a character at one point um, that we were building a cartoon on called uh, Phil the Unassertive Guy. And the entire voiceover was, uh, uh, hey, uh, hi, 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 I'm Phil. I'm, uh, Phil, I'm Phil. Like the whole, like every time he tried to talk, the whole joke was that it was this intolerable drag. drag right. very Mr. Bean in that regard. But the oh. idea was he was just afraid of himself. Uh, Mr. Bean, by the way, is funny because he's an asshole. That's yes. another comic. Uh, you know, topic yeah. for another time. Well, if you try to make a, him nice, he's not funny.
0: We had a friend so, who was his his mm-hmm. comedian. whose his his stick was? He came up and he he shot the video, and God bless him for trying but he shot it in in a straight jacket and, and every, and every, I know (laughs) it was about how he was not funny. And I go, how is not funny, funny, but I I love John.
1: That's yeah. No, no, I, I, it's more like art and experimental stuff. Knock yeah. yourself out. Yeah, it was yeah. worth a try. Somebody had to do something that <laughs> so, stupid. So somebody. the rest of us had something to talk about. Uh, what not to do. Thanks for helping us. <laughs> Check that off the list, John. Yeah, that's nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right. There's a lot of there's a lot of those comics in the world. Like you yeah. watch them, you're like. Okay. None of us are going to do that. We're not, yeah. agree. That's, <laughs> yeah. that does no, not no. work I, in well, any way, a, shape or form. Cool. You have that idea? But the, I,
0: I had that. No, but, we're not doing that idea. But <laughs>
1: if you come up on stage with a, even if you are playing a nervous character, but you have, uh, they can tell you're, you have an inner confidence about who you are. They will agree that you know what you're doing and trust you down this road of fake nervousness. And that's why like, uh, Chris used to do this thing, which was amazing. He's a really good guitar player and he would be a guitar guy. He brought a guitar on stage. And then the joke was he never used it. He would right. never actually, he would start going, Hey, all right. Okay. All right. Anyway. Okay. I got one right uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, and he had this bit where he was, um, he would start playing Blackbird uh, by the Beatles, oh, which is a really dumb. difficult yes. riff that. <laughs> blum, 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 <laughs> blum, blum. Yeah. Um, and and fuck it up and it was because every guitar player who tries to learn it he would fuck it up right where they do it and and i I laughed at it when he would do it when we were dicking around but it wouldn't work on stage and he couldn't figure it out and i was like it's because they think you can actually play it so here's what you got to do you do that fuck around do it early do the fuck around they'll when they're early in their trust of you they're just checking you out they haven't made a decision about you yet and you do that bit where you're fucking it up and then do the whole thing, like, play it for real for them. Like, and this is what Steve Martin would do. Yes. Steve Martin would come up with a banjo, and he'd go, all right, clank, 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 yes. clank, and drag it across his mic stand and that kind of stuff. But then when he played, you know, Foggy Mountain Breakdown um, or some Lester flatten Earl Scruggs riff and kill it, people are like, oh, we're dealing with a talented person here. We're dealing right. with someone. is He can act as stupid as he wants because we all know better. And there's something... You have to let the audience off the hook at some point if you're going to play dumb because they don't want to watch a dumb person be dumb. They want to watch an arrogant person say dumb things or a dumb person be accidentally brilliant. That's comedy. Everything else is just conversation.
0: Yeah, that's it's a good point. And it brings me to my next subject with you now. Look, we have a. We we have a lot in common, actually. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. growing up in Kentucky, which we'll get to, cannot yep. cannot, cannot leave Kentucky. Music and um and, and comedy, but Stand up, I yeah. want I want to explore your you had talked earlier about some of your influences in comedy. Um, mm-hmm. mine were Richard Pryor and and uh, Bob Newhart and Woody Allen and and of mm-hmm. course, uh, with me it was always about George Carlin. So right. um. Yours. Who did you find that, and why did you decide to get into comedy? What forced you, or what what propelled you in that direction?
1: Well, okay, I didn't have a TV till I was fifteen years old. Till we moved to Chicago, we didn't have a television in the house. So I used to listen. Well, you to were in Kentucky, radio. so you're lucky That's to true. have shoes. We, hey, man, out there, out there in uh, Peaks Mill, man, we lived yeah. behind a hill, and it blocked all the signals. So I could. You sometimes, got that
0: patois down pretty good.
1: <laughs> absolutely, I could. I sometimes. I could listen to, uh, like public television, K E T. Yeah. Um, I could hear it, but I couldn't see it. So I listened <laughs> to it like the radio. So I I lived like a 1940s existence in Kentucky. Honest to God. I used to listen to the shadow and night beat and suspense and Jack Benny and that kind of stuff on the radio radio. And then mystery then theater. Was, yeah. I, I mean, oh. Orson Welles, the, you know, um, uh, war of the worlds, um, the, the shadow, like well, the shadow is one of my favorites and, and, uh, Jack Regan, Private Eye, which was Jack Webb's uh, series. Yep, I would listen to that shit. So I grew up like a, you know, like somebody six decades older than me. And my dad is an architect, but he also fixes instruments. He does uh, fret work for people. He does like oh. he does Bela Flex banjo. he did the setup on Bela's banjo. He does the setup on Sam Bush's mandolins. He does guitars for all kinds of people. Um, Vince Gill, he just did one of Vince Gill's acoustics. And he sets, he does, he does all the fret work, smooths them out, and makes them play like silk, and yada yada. So he fixes up. He he had a company in Cincinnati called the Famous Old Time Music Company, and he would sell instruments that were through there. And at one point, the Martin Guitar uh, Factory burned to the ground in the seventies. I remember that. And they, at one point, they were licensing shops to do Martin repairs, and they'd only done one at that point when the factory burned down. It was my dad's shop. So if you wanted a Martin repaired, you had to bring it to my dad until they rebuilt wow. the factory for like six years. And then he, he, he built up a big clientele of people who loved his work and then other instruments and yada, yada. And at one point he was, uh, he sold, he would, fix he fixed up, uh, I believe it was a man, uh, one, man, uh, two mandolins for this guy. And the guy couldn't afford to pay him. So he goes, I don't, I can't afford to pay you, but I got these two crates of records. these like big, the long milk crate. Yeah, that were four deep, essentially the, you know, wooden ones, and it was full of LPs. And he's like, "Uh, you want, you want that? Uh, You know, it's all kinds of stuff. And he had tons of old like bluegrass records and that kind of stuff. But one section of it, one entire block was comedy records and it was Jonathan Winters and it was Shelley oh. Berman and I it love was he had a four record collection of the golden age of comedy from radio so Groucho Marx and people like that you know doing radio bits and just the comedy record from that 10 records with vinyl on the outside like uh it had uh Godfrey Cambridge who I love um yes. and it it had um a bunch of Carlin a bunch of Richard Pryor Lenny Bruce um who else um red fox and i was you know this was when i was eight nine and um i at one point just discovered these records i think one of the first ones i remember really getting into was um uh sex life of the primate and other stories by the shelly berman record from the That's 60s a good,
0: i've got that record. Sketches,
1: yeah it's sketches yeah. and stuff with the whole like Eisenhower Rosenberg or when he's trying to get laid and the hippie chick won't fuck him because he looks like Adlai Stevenson. Yes. Like, and I'm nine years old. This totally makes sense with the context of what I do for a living right yes. now. But, uh, I'm nine years old listening to this shit. And I just thought it was hilarious. And then for my for my eighth birthday, I think it was my aunt Susan got me a wild and crazy guy. The record with the picture with the best yeah. fishes picture inside yeah. of it and all that shit and so i would listen to to those records like fucking crazy i had a four jonathan winters records that i listened to that i would just do voices and stuff and we didn't have a tv so i would act out those bits for my family sometimes so that was you know when i was eight nine ten years old i'm doing these filthy grown-up bits in front of the relatives you know and my dad's friends which was hilarious and um In between, by the way, pushing the speakers out onto the porch and giving kiss concerts for my cats in the yard. Um, So those that was my entertainment. That's a good audience. (laughs) Yeah, they were great. Absolutely. Um, It's it's there's a pussy joke in there somewhere, and I'm sure Gene Simmons would like it. But uh, which is how he sees a crowd. It's just like, all right, where's the pussy? That that's pretty much yeah. Yeah, So that's it. So I that's Kentucky. Yes, I grew up listening to comedy records. And But I didn't understand the comedians had a job. I thought people were just recording people saying funny things. I understood bands perform music. I understand, you know, theater happened. But I didn't know what the fuck is – there's no stand-up comedians. There were no clubs in Kentucky, and there certainly wasn't a well, one burned when, down,
0: the Beverly Hills Supper Club. The, the,
1: the, right, right, yeah, right.
0: John Davidson was there that night. Re- <laughs> and there was Holy there were some comedy yeah. spots in Louisville. But right, yeah, you got to say that right, Louisville. And, Louisville, uh, you feel, and and, and mm. don't put your paints on. But uh, <laughs> how many pa- how many coats of paint would you like me to put on, Mom? But yeah. you could. Not, I remember as a teen, you could not find. It was rare to find a music venue, much less comedy right. in Frankfurt or Lexington. Well, in Frank,
1: yeah, Frankfurt, was nothing. There's like a book club. I, I, the, the. Dungeons I was a, and Dragons I, is popular. Yes, I did d and I was the dungeon master at the pub, Frankfurt Public Library when I was 11 years old in 1981. I Holy did like, shit. Yeah.
0: That's,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Oh, absolutely. I Holy- live Stranger Things. Like Stranger Things is like a fucking flashback. Anyways, yeah, oh, th- um, it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is. So, um, I had PTSD
1: from it. It was like, oh, I can't totally. watch this shit.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I know those kids. I hate I know, those kids. I grew up with those I love those kids. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I had a crush on that girl. What yes. the hell? <laughs> so, um, so, anyways, those records existed, but I didn't know that was a job. And then when I moved to Chicago to live with my dad, The great thing about Chicago is that it's a blue-collar arts town. There's no bullshit. You move to New York, you got or LA, you got to be discovered, right? Right. It's it's all about somebody tapping you on the shoulder. You got Moxie, kid. You should be in pictures. That idea. (laughs) Yeah. In Chicago, (laughs) it's it's just a fucking ladder. It's just like you figure out where the rungs are and you just start climbing. So. Um, in terms of theaters, like well, you do high school or private classes, and then you go to the civic theater, and then you go to Steppenwolf, and then you and then you right. go to New York, something like that. If you're doing music, there's shitty little bands and open mics, and then you work your way up, and that's how it works. And, and with standup, it's the same deal. They were like, yeah, you do open mics and then you build up enough where you can uh, host and then you'll get little, you know, maybe you can do seven, eight, 10 minutes hosting in the middle. At some point they'll extend it out. Then you feature, then you headline locally, then you tour. That's that. And I was like, okay, that's a, that's a ladder. I can understand. It's like working at a fucking filling station. Just right. Get at it. So I, what's the worst just, gig you ever had? Um, Worst- Question. I've I've only had three bad gigs in my life, and I was sick for all of them, physically ill. Oh, the, I had a each one of them. I had a temperature of over a hundred, but I still performed because I'm a professional.
0: That was was mistake. That's not fair. <laughs>
1: yeah, the 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 worst one you know in recent memory was one I did. Like, because my agent at the time was like, uh, at this place in Santa Monica. It's like this, uh, you know, alley comedy club in Santa Monica. Where they Which do kind one? of, I'm blitzing on what they call it right now. Cause it changes names, but it's, it's just off the, it's off of third street promenade. It's in, yes. one of, it's, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you, enter I, I know through the, the place, I
0: think we were there. Recently. Yeah.
1: And it's, and it's, you know, kind of industrial or whatever. And, yeah. I, and I was, I just remember being there sick as a dog, but I was the headliner and the, uh, the guy who, the guy who, and I wasn't getting paid. And the guy who threw it was a, uh, the, like the host and put it together was a friend. And he was like hoping I would draw for this crowd. And I did. But if I'd have canceled, it probably would have cut their audience in half and I would have felt like shit. So I just did it. And I was just literally, I remember feeling like, what if I black out on this stage? This is just, this could possibly happen. Like I'm like a 102 right. degree temperature. And I was like, I'm like, this is coal mine shit. This is the this is like the comics version of Black Lung. What the fuck am I doing? You know, like, and, and in that one, I I literally made the decision that I'm not going to work sick again. That's um, a
0: bit, well, hell, that's a really pretty good decision to make.
1: <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah. It only took me 27 years. Yeah, that's stand up to make <laughs> so, that decision.
0: Let's. But, let's um, pro- I, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: There's one one last thing. So there's a there's a there's a a, a story that goes around and this kind of sums up what brian and i are talking about for the audience is that there's a story about like you show up at places like the improv and the laugh factory and stuff and you sign up on these nights and you get yeah. a slot where you got three minutes five minutes and yeah and you're working shit out and maybe it's your tonight show set right. or over the years and there's this guy comes in and he and he signs up and the slot they give him it's the show goes from eight to midnight. The slot they give him is eleven fifty five, And it's drag like you know, and he's like, fuck. fuck. All right. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna do it though. You know what? This is my uh, this is the improv. I'm happy to be here. I'm gonna do it. And and he, all night long, he's sitting in the back, and nine o'clock, the crowd gets smaller, ten, it gets smaller, eleven, it gets smaller. It's just shrinking the whole time to the point where is when he gets up on stage. There's only one person left oh, in the oh, audience. There's God. one person sitting there. Even the staff that is like in mom. the back cleaning <laughs> shit. No, they're just <laughs> sitting there. And he he goes. He just decides. You know what? Fuck it. I'm at the improv. It's what I want to do. And I'm gonna. I'm not gonna whine about it. I'm gonna do my act like the fucking place is packed. God damn it. This is it. I'm gonna. You know. I, I'm gonna show these people they can't just shove me at the end of the day. I'm gonna do. So he does his set, and he you know he has he does it note for note perfect. But the only time he breaks is at the very end. He goes, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And he goes, hey, man, I just want to thank you for sticking around. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate it. And the guy goes, what are you talking about? I'm next. <laughs> and.
2: <laughs>
1: that's. <laughs> that's oh, holy
0: shit. That's a good. Podcast. That's the life. Yeah, that's the life. You couldn't right? craft a better punchline. Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: We're talking about him <laughs> next. Yeah. So, is...
0: so for, with that, let's, segue. let's yeah. segue into Kentucky. You have yeah. made Kentucky a part of your act, which I find mm-hmm. hilarious. And there are two, uh, I think I told you before, and there's really two bits that you do that uh, are just strike me <clears throat> so close to home. One is, sure, of course, uh, I have this thing about unsweetened tea uh right uh,
1: yes we were discussing this before is that i i like I, first of all how do you unsweeten something you don't who, you what can't. kind of an asshole puts sh- you can't you can't what kind of an asshole puts sugar in a beverage and then takes it out again? it out <laughs> secondly you know when we, when we were discussing it, it it occurred to me like imagine if somebody walked up to you and said would you like some unsweetened orange juice <laughs> what yeah unsweetened it's uh, orange juice sweetened or unsweetened what do you mean sweetened well it comes sweet it's got it, it, naturally occurring sugars in the fruit but and we you have take what? it out. We, we take it out. So it's basically citric acid. Is that <laughs> yeah, what it is? You just turn my teeth gray? Yeah, that's basically it. Why? So the process of unsweetening is madness. Even in this case, beyond the the issue and the and the growing up in the south, obviously, it sweet was tea all sweet is, tea. And I'm like, okay, first of all, motherfucker, that's flat Coke. Y- Secondly, yes! I don't need brown Kool Aid. I'm a grown person and and i there's a natural uh, there's a natural birth of that this was this joke was not a c section it was a natural birth in that my mom drinks tea and she drinks plain iced tea always has my whole life and when i was a little kid we had these long teaspoons that she got from my grandmother big long you know stir but we never did used them for that but she would get them out and she would i would sip little bits of tea at, out of it like when i was a baby basically um out of that spoon i would she would spoon a little tea if i wanted some because instead of having me try to hold the glass because i was too small and and then i started doing that when i was older that i would drink tea with a spoon with these long ass spoons um but the the sort of bitterness and the natural sweetness of it that occurs without any a- a- additives I always enjoyed it. I loved it the way it was. And my grandmother Sparks, my dad's mom, would she grew mint right outside her uh, door, out her kitchen door. Perfect for just, the Kentucky Derby. That's right. <laughs> you make your juleps. Yeah, Mike, Mike, she would, you look Yeah. And so she would uh, when she made iced tea, she would literally just go over, open the door, beep, pull some mint off yeah. the plant, and just drop it in the drink, drop it right into your tea, and you'd have mint tea. And it was just lovely. It was like one yeah. of those great memories. Well of you know, I just holidays at grandma's
0: I, yeah. My grandmother was the same. She used except she would pick dandelions and make them into salads. So you definitely didn't want to eat my grandmother, my great grandmother's salads. She was a Lebanese woman from uh, who had uh, immigrated, and so she'd walk and I'm going, you know, grandma, I, I just saw the dog piss on that. That's you know, right. <laughs>
1: I'm not, I washed not it. Eat, not,
0: right. <laughs> I washed it. I don't care if you, you no.
1: But, you ever had cattail salad though oh yeah cattails yeah because you, it, people don't how know about this. kentucky
0: burgoo you ever had kentucky Well, bur- oh yeah of-
1: burgoo is just anything laying around soup yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> roadkill as we called it yeah uh, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah um but but most people don't know this but if you ever see cattails in in water and shallow water they you know they, they kind of stick up they look like yeah something from horton here's a who um if you pull those up from the root and you peel the base off of them, the bottom part of it tastes like cucumber. Yeah. And you can make cattail salads out of that. We used to make those in Boy Scouts all the fucking time. That was our vegetation of choice. You just get well, some. collard.
0: Yeah. And poke salad. Them, poke shit salad. out of everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which I Pokes. would later learn as an adult that it was to kill all the plant cytotoxins because <laughs> those plants were trying to kill you.
0: Yeah, that's, well, God bless like them.
1: Boil them out so they don't murder you. <laughs> but but I yeah, so <laughs> the tea,
2: yeah,
0: I remember I physically, I, I almost physically got angry uh, sitting in a restaurant and I'm, I'm like nine or 10, mom made, you know, tea at home and we didn't sweeten yeah. And And uh, the waitress got upset with me because she goes, uh, would you like some unsweetened tea? I go, no, ma'am, I would just like plain tea. And she looked at my desk yeah. and she, and she yeah. goes, what does he mean? What does he mean? Uh, and my dad, right. was going to, he, he wants, you know, plain tea. And she goes, well, do, do you mean unsweetened? And, and I remember looking around going, am I, is this the, am right. I the butt of a fucking yes. joke?
1: <laughs> yes. Give me the fucking tea, lady. <laughs> yeah, right. You should have to say sweet. Tea. There's a reason why you say sweet tea, dummy, is because that's. You have to put yeah. that word at the beginning of it to know what the fuck is going on. Otherwise, it's just tea. Just bring yeah. me the fucking tea, tea. right? So <laughs> it's, that's it's a, a great it, Kentucky thing. It, and that would be, I I would argue, one of those cultural cul de sacs. And some people are just gonna yeah. fucking stay there forever. Oh, the rest amen. of us go like, come on, come on, just walk <laughs> out. Don't, walk with me. You're not <laughs> unsweetening <right>. anything, dumb <laughs> <that's> dumbass. <right.
0: laughs>
1: okay.
0: I want some bitter herb. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I, I I honestly don't know how you got out of Kentucky without being a, a pothead or a drunkard because that's uh, right that that seems to be the you know hell I was six years old when my great uncle gave me a highball here's a highball well, that's how I got out because
1: one yes. of the reasons why I left um, I I'm I I'm straight edge I've never had drugs I've never drank in my life I've never been high never been drunk never gonna be no interest. I figure I'll be life's designated driver for my whole <laughs> existence. I don't care. And, and anybody who gets upset, it's always weird to me. I'm like, what are you running out of people to drink with? I'm like the only one. Yes. Well, you are better than the person.
0: rest of us. Well, you—I know, I get that sometimes. That you know, we'll go out to drink. Would you like yeah. a drink? No, I'm fine. I'll just have a. Uh-oh, here it comes. Iced tea. You know, it's, mm-hmm. would you like something yeah. to drink? No, I'll just take an iced tea. And they'll go, "What's wrong with you? Are, are you on, mm-hmm. in the program?" Um, no, I just don't feel like drinking. I, I what right. the fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i i most of the time it's just been i I've, I've got shit to do but i i never did and i never will and one of the reasons there's a myriad of reasons why i don't one of them of beings that i've been a kiss fan since i was five and paul and gene have never been high and don't drink to speak of i think uh paul's drank like three times in his life and gene doesn't at all and i remember and i met him to the at the white detroit- house by the way yeah the detroit uh, detroit rock city which is the lead song on destroyer is about a guy who dies on his way to a show yeah. and never gets to get there. And I remember, and there's this note at the end of it that winds into uh King of the nighttime world, which is uh, tonally D minor, the saddest of all keys. It's um, very it,
0: sad. You see? Yes.
1: Yeah, it's right. Like it's called lick my love pump. It it rolls <laughs> into the next song and well, it's, it's meant to be. It's not a bad
0: be, accent. You did this.
1: Yeah, thanks. Sad, it's meant to be sad that he died before he got to see the beginning of the right. concert, which is King of the Nighttime World. And and um, I, as a kid who listened to a lot of old radio, I appreciated the kind of theatrical storyline stuff that was on the Destroyer record and the story that it told. And I remember going, I'm never going to miss out because I died in a fucking drunk driving accident. And I'm never going to let my friends die in a drunk driving accident if I have any... Thing to say about it so Aldern high school i was the designated driver i was running shifts at one point at a couple of my friends parties just making sure people got home and so i just do? stayed with that and and i you know i saw enough of it and i wasn't impressed
0: in kentucky well, yeah, that's, yeah yeah i've seen i remember well with the story for another time but yes sure i remember being pulled over by the cops one time i was tired and i got pulled over in frankfurt mm-hmm. coming in to see my mother this is 78, 79 driving in and I got pulled over by a cop. And he, he says, have you been drinking? I said, no, sir. I just, I, I had just got off my shift at burger queen. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Let's follow queenie B it's burger queen for me. Yeah. I had, just gotten out of burger queen. And so I'm driving. I was just tired. And they, uh, mm-hmm. he says, well, I'm glad you're not drunk. I, and he said something that why I've never driven drunk is he said, uh, you know, I, I've had to pull over three tonight. One of them, your age is in the hospital. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, hey, man, I, I, nope. I, I can think of a lot of things to do, a lot of ways to go. Drunk driving in a car ain't
1: one of them. But- <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, uh, you know, for all the shit that 15-year-old boys get, um, I remember a lot of my greatest decisions in life were based on what I would call the 15-year-old metric, the metric that I had as a 15-year-old, which was, I am at a fork in the road. One, I will get laid. The other one, I will not, and I will be either dead or lonely. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to go every fork in the road that led to the possibility of getting laid course. Yes. I was like, I'm doing that. And, you know, because the alternative. So did that lead to
0: your decision that, that uh, brought the, to grow my hair long?
1: Maybe. Um, but no God being on television is enough. If you don't want, you want Um, an example? Yeah. Yeah. Like it puts you, it pushes you to the front of the line, whether you deserve it or not. Luckily I'm the goods.
2: Yeah, uh, but,
1: but, but some folks you know uh in the game show host uh former nbc world aren't and try to uh snatch that privilege as it were those fuckers um yeah and um and but i was always like you know i i grew up with the kind of uh uh the hard rock um what i would call the Casanova reflex which is it's only the sex is only good if if she wants it more than you do is the that's what that's what the robert plant paul stanley hairband stuff is all about that's the point of it and so It and it's real morally, ethically, emotionally, psychosexually, it's a way better place to be in because you're, you know, I used to have a joke that is like going back to the kind of joke that might might not work and when you're trying to shuffle it around and make the audience understand it. I used to have a joke uh that probably in retrospect would have worked better as a tweet years ago before Twitter existed, which was, (laughs) um, um, I can have sex with anybody I want because I would never want to sleep with anybody who doesn't want me. And, you know that that seems like a fairly obvious statement. Yes. You know. Um but yes. there's some people who think that's a statement of arrogance. Like well, no dummy. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, it's, well, it's No, like, it's an anti-sexual assault joke. Stupid. I set you up for that one. <laughs> yeah, I I like I don't I don't I want to date female boxers all of a sudden just <laughs> yeah. because I live in a trailer park. So your favorite, um,
0: the other uh, bit that you did that I love about Kentucky is the bath salt bit. How'd you come about that? My oh, my my yeah. uncle was in the legislature at the time, and the speaker, <laughs> the Senate Majority Speaker, and yeah. I remember this
1: issue. Well, it was because, as part of the sexy liberal comedy tour, I was. Um, I, I view myself in some ways as the redneck whisperer. Because I grew up around a lot of those folks, I know a lot of like hillbilly esque and rednecky people who are by no means bigoted, by no means racist, no, by no means great. any of these caricatures of MAGA that get really loud. Um, they're they're lovely people, um, but they sound like the people. They've got the same accent as the people all, that you hate, so they you might it's easy to confuse. I understand. So I would operate as a way of being in between them, and because I'm from the south, the rule is if you're from someplace, you can fuck with it all you want. Yeah. If you're a stranger to the place, it's you're gonna get an ass whooping. Basically, you ever do that? (laughs) Like they'll do it when you're on the road. It happens all the time as a stand-up. They'll lure you in. You know, they'll, they'll they'll tell you, "Man, this place fucking sucks." Ain't no jobs. Roads are all busted up. Fucking my brother's got this big goiter on his neck from something in the water. And about a schoolhouse just fell down and pancaked a bunch of fucking kids. And they was a fire at the <laughs> chemical plant. My right eye won't stop weeping this orange goo. And you're like, you're right, man. This place sucks. It'll go. Hey, fuck you, what man. You this mean? is my home. Uh, yeah, right. That's, that's... And, you know. So they'll let, you know. Uh, but it's <laughs> a. But you know, it's a born again job at the
0: manure plant.
1: That's, That's right. As a born-again <laughs> redneck, I'm allowed. I grew up in, in the South. One road, 46 people, I'm allowed. I'm more country than any of these fucking modern country singers are. Yes. Like, who you know, all grew up in Nashville and the surrounding suburbs, around I-440. Yeah. Um, 40. <laughs>
0: down the street from the 7-Eleven.
1: Absolutely. Got a pickup truck they could drive to the mall. Right, go to dealer. Top in. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Acting like you're in Footloose, having uh, chicken fights with a in a tractor. And
0: take that fucking hat off because you haven't. Yeah, eye. right. Yeah, <laughs> you don't even have
1: any cows. Yeah, you know what it, you know what we call that if you, that's a cowboy hat. If you don't have any cows. It's an asshole hat. Take your hat <laughs> off, stupid. You're in church. So, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. yes. So, yeah, so basalt. So, yeah. So the basalt thing came up because I was I've been doing. Uh, in between Sexy Liberal shows, I'd done a show at the uh, Comedy Off-Broadway in Lexington, which is a great club. Love that place. And a woman had been, or had been uh, arrested, but mostly just they just came and gathered her up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> walking down the middle of New Circle Road, holding her kid high on bath salt, just wandering down the middle of the road at night. Right. And it was just typical, you know, straggler Hillbilly bullshit that we've seen my whole life, and and it was it's an awful story. Luckily, she didn't die. The kid was okay. The kids in social services probably grandparents are raising it now. Right. But <laughs> but it was bath salts that she was on, and I remember seeing the the news story about it. And it was it's one of those things where there's like your ridiculous meter just pegs, and you go tink like that. You're yep. like, this is so fucking stupid that there's no way to avoid talking about it. And so I looked at one of the stories that was uh that came up about it and just the obs- every paragraph while this reporter was trying to talk seriously about people snorting bath salts they got at a filling station and 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 how and and it was because With the street name <laughs> they were spray and, and, and because because what they used to do was spray raid on potpourri, and breathe the smoke, and <laughs> this worked better. And so that was that piece. I was like, okay. The only way out of this is ridicule. The only way people stop this shit is it, and and if the and the legislature starts to take it seriously, is if Kentucky and to, to some degrees Tennessee, Mississippi, and the Panhandle. Which is a, where you the, go when
0: you flunk out of Kentucky, but that's right. Yes,
1: exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, it's smoking bath salts the whole way. Right? Yeah, um, it's like the ass end of bath salts highway is down there. Yeah, um, they take the elephants down there because the Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah. So, uh, oh
0: shit.
1: So, so I, I decided there's uh, that, that. I believe in shame as a weapon. I think it has value. Oh, I think it's especially healthy. if you can and laugh I, when you're doing it. Right, exactly, and I believe that I believe in the power of regret. I don't believe any of these assholes are like you shouldn't have any regrets because it makes you who you are. No, no, no. Regret is part of what makes me who I am. Because if I didn't regret something that I did that was awful, I would do it again, and right. then I'd be dead or in jail or criminal or off. Like regret helps you. It reminds more the president you, of the United States,
0: but that's- yes, yes,
1: <laughs> to not be a fuckhead again. It's yeah. that simple. So regrets very valuable, as is shame, and and while. Drug addiction is a real thing and a mental affliction, blah, blah, blah. These aren't the people in control of the circumstance. The people you are shaming by making jokes about this are the people who allow this to happen. Uh, The the legislature, by allowing it to still be sold in filling stations in small drug like packets. The people who the chemists that know full fucking well that this you're not bathing in this is dangerous, much less smoking it and doing this. The the entire chain of events, the adults that made decisions all along that way need to be made fun of for having a ridiculous product that's killing people. And so I I just cut loose and built this whole section on it. And then I shit. buttoned it. Yeah, I buttoned it with this story in Tennessee about this um, uh, bull semen spill. This oh. bull semen spill that uh, shut down um, I-440 because a, a two canisters of bull semen fell off a Greyhound bus. And it was a true story. And I, it was so fucking, was this, no, the story, I know. Just <laughs> no, like, and the line at the end, God. after falling off a Greyhound bus, God. was just like, it was like one of those like fade back one hander, knock yes. it out of the parts that just was <laughs> delivered to you. And it, but I, I'm, I have a fairly decent memory as, as uh, Jeff Goldblum says in the movie, Mr. Frost, I am <laughs> memory. Oh, yeah. Um, Yes. You remembered I, that. Man, I remember. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, another <laughs> hey, ah, time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, but I, I I had memorized the entire story so that I could basically recite it word for word. But nobody believed me because it's fucking oh. ridiculous. It sounds like a written bit, and the timing of it is only really funny if you know that it actually happened and it was actually written that way because it's so fucking absurd. So I got a copy of the article and I laminated it so that I could carry it around. Cause when you're touring shit gets fucked up. Yes. And I, and, and then I and later on, I started using, I used my phone cause it was the easiest way of doing it. Just have the phone right. on it and just call up the picture of it. And I had a, I would pick a person in the audience and have them read the, the lead in sentences that would trigger where I would go <laughs> with the joke. I would have them read those lines because, no one will believe be, me. Yeah. And that's what, that's Kentucky. Like it, is my, Kentu- it, it, it kills I've, me. Yeah.
0: You're out in LA. I go into a Ralph's. I can't buy nose spray, right? It's, it's locked up. You go to the, you go to like the, right. It, it's behind, you gotta, there's you know, that's a whole thing where you pass your hand. Oh out, yeah. Somebody's got to unlock it. Here's your vitamin, sir. But in yeah. Kentucky, you can buy meth in <laughs> a fill Oh station.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're driving, you gotta stay awake. It, yeah, that's right. That's a, New Circle Road is a circle. You yeah. it goes around Lexington. Don't go straight up the Circle Road. Forever, that's right. You're always going in a circle. It's the they, NASCAR road They think it's the road 405.
0: Way. That's just, They do. That's Yeah, the traffic's horrible on New Circle Road. Try the 405, baby. Yeah, come got, on. 5 days like, later, like, you've gone 50 feet. Uh yeah.
1: <laughs> so that yeah, so the, those birthed out of there, uh, you know, I don't really talk about my family life in my stand up or, you know, they're occasionally I will tell stories that are effectively what are like s- people who tour through the South or go places. If you visit Atlanta if you bi- visit Nashville right. or you've driven through Kentucky, and I do mean through. <laughs> that's that's um, the best way to do it. Right. Uh, or, you know, any kind of rural area where they have sweet tea and the like, You'll that joke works because you'll experience it whether you live near it at all. Or, you know, or not. Yeah. Period. But most of the stories about my upbringing, l- nobody would fucking believe them. Oh, no, like they do no. and no one can relate like i will occasionally tell a story on, on the flapper shows where i'm improvising because it'll just come to mind and i feel like going into the story um but but i might as well be telling people about my trip to venus because well, they, they're not relating to it they're just they, they've never it's so fucking ridiculous it. no yeah. no of course before, not. We're, we it's, got
0: one last quick break yeah. to do but before we do it i'll tell you mine i yeah. was on the day the shuttle exploded 1986. Mm-hmm. I was in Kentucky covering the state legislature, and I was in the office of the governor at the time, Martha Lane Collins, who yeah. used to flirt with everybody. That we co- we'd have press conferences, and she, um, Jenny Lynn, was putting up a a, a a a factory, and the guy that came to announce it, she's hitting up on him in the in the, in yeah. the governor's mansion while her husband is in the back. Feeding the reporters bourbon, and so I, you know, it, it it's like, did anybody else get that? Right, woman, how? Is it,
1: what you, the you're fuck? Pe- yeah, you're pegging the Kentucky meter right now. Yeah,
0: that's right. So that on that day, we went in to get an interview with her, and the space shuttle blew up. We mm-hmm. ran upstairs uh, to let uh, our desk at uh, WKYT TV in Lexington, mm-hmm. where I was working, let them know we had video of the governor reacting. There's a guy we called Sparky. He was a Cincinnati post reporter. We got up there and it was almost like a, a to-do list. It was like, here was his cigar. Here were the matches. Oh, here's his trash can on fire. And, and, and I, and I was going, uh, Hey, uh, and that's why we called him Sparky. Cause he would, <laughs> he would take a lit match or his cigar and put it in the, uh, the trash can. It would start on fire routinely. I and go Sparky, you're, you're, you know, you're things on fire again. He goes, Hey, did you know Krista McAuliffe's eyes were blue? And I go, no. And he goes, yeah, one blew this way, one blew that way. I go, oh. Jesus Christ, the bodies haven't even hit it the just happened. <laughs> it just, it just so then we go outside. And this is how the day ended. Mm-hmm. I'm going outside and covering an anti-porn rally. And the ladies against the lap, ladies against porn or women against porn, whap, whatever it was, mm-hmm. mothers against Which, porn. The
1: ir- and the I the irony, please let it be whap. Considering yeah, well, the yes. recent hit song, yes. So we're um, out yeah. there,
0: and she they give us a list of books and movies that we should not watch that they're pornographic, mm. and so I, with my camera on, I looked at the head of WAP and then or whatever they were, and I said, uh, mm-hmm. uh, "I'm looking at this list. How did you decide we can't watch these or or read these? Well." the executive committee got together. We had a view and study session and we all watched these movies. And, and I go, well, what's the difference between you watching them and, and telling us not to beat off to them and someone watching them and beating off to them. Is, is it just that someone's masturbating to these movies? She goes, that's, that's the worst question I've ever heard in my life. You're going to hell. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I can't make that shit. That's Kentucky.
1: No. Yeah. Uh, Also for the record, ma'am, that is the very question you're asking when you watch each of these movies. Is it possible to masturbate to these movies? And at the end of it, you make a decision. Right. What are you talking about? (laughs) You've got a checklist that says yes or no. You can old yeller. (laughs) Yep, um, you yeah, has <laughs> got six tits. You can see all of
0: them. <laughs> Sound of music. Look at all those chicks. But how?
1: Also, what's the fucking bar? Oh, who, who in your like? Who like, was in your we, executive committee? Yeah.
0: To kill we, a off. We have a feller. The
1: movie was was. Backwards. We have a feller called the Heathen. He sits in there uh, with it. He got wears a sign around his neck it says Rapine, and he sits there and watches these men. If he gets a little. Twitchy, we know moves. that's a no. that's That movies not allowed or whatever. Uh oh, um, it moved. That's <laughs> not a single. Yeah, right. Not a single movie we have watched it and been something.
0: Yeah, and some of them. Uh, Jaws was on it, and I, which you know, the well, of book course, because the
1: girl, uh, she's skinny, she's skinny dipping yeah. in the beginning before she dies. Now and the Lord uh, punishes kill her for skinny dipping. So well, to kill him, Monkenberg, because yeah. yes, yes, a, there's a <laughs> handsome black dude in there, and yeah,
0: that's uh, right. <laughs> It, it moved that, <laughs> yes did right. it move uh, on it did it moved. move with mayella or did it move with tom robinson yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> it's hard to say both i don't know both. or neither it doesn't matter it was on its own it's the devil that makes it do it it's, it's not the, the movie it, yeah that's yeah.
0: that, that, yeah. so you don't have I, yes
1: oh i that's, i remember those folks well um yeah. uh, we, frankfurt had its fair share of traveling preacher shows that came through on the regular when i was a kid it was you know it was a big deal um most of my friends would okay. get
0: high and walk into those and then would would uh, heckle.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, you know, uh, you know, in Kentucky, I you know I told a story like my dad across the river from us, a woman named Susan Kingsley. Um, she was she was in Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah. She was the woman that uh, Tommy Lee Jones sleeps with and, and, and breaks Friend up. Of my mother's small yes. world. Small. She, yeah. She passed away. She died in a car accident when I was. 12 13 something like that she was in Popeye yeah she was one of the dancing uh prostitutes in the in their weird little brothel th- that they had in town or whatever she was like she's great she was a lovely lady but her husband uh paid for that farm with weed and yeah. he was he grew uh like the weed all along the the riverbank and then he would he would harvest it and then, you know, cut all the stalks down. Then he would strip all the leaves off. And then he would get rid of the stalks or whatever, or bury them and let mulch them back and then whatever. And he's, he got all of his entire crop. He's dragging it up the hill towards his house. And one of the deacons from our church was sitting up against his car. Um, watching him drag this giant bale of pot up the hillside towards him and just looking at him. And he's like, oh, fuck. can I have
0: some? <laughs>
1: um, no, he goes, he like, it, cause this guy was a teetotaler. He was, you yeah. know, he was, this this was bad. This was trouble. He would call the cops on you. He was, you know, pious to a fault. And he's dragging this shit up the hill and he gets close enough to him where he's in earshot. And he goes, have you checked your place? <laughs> and, 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 uh, and the deacon goes, he goes, what? What are you talking about? He goes. I found this growing down on my riverbank. I think these fellas, these kids down here, are growing this shit and they selling it or smoking it or doing something. I'm just worried that the, you know, the government's going to come down here, and see it, some boat's going to go by, think I'm growing this stuff, so I cut it all down. I'm fixing to burn it. But you better check your property, make sure they're not doing it over there. Guy got in his car and drove away, like lickety split. He stripped all the leaves off, put them in bags, did his thing or whatever, and then took the stalks and burned them in a big pile in his driveway up near the road so that they would see the smoke. He, that he had done it, yeah.
0: Well, the yeah. other the, the flip side of that, 1985, was Operation Green Gray Sweep, and the Kentucky State Police took us reporters on, on you know, and they went down to the, the bottoms. There was one, the largest pot field I ever saw in my life. It was a 50-acre square corn field. With yes. the outer five with or in six in the middle. Yes, with yeah. the outer five or six rows of corn and three quarters of a billion dollars worth of, of a pot was. And my, yeah, my, my photographer. It looked like was donuts from the just, air. Yeah, you know, and they found it from the air. And so you know, my yeah. photographer's out plucking buds and putting them in his camera bag, and because they had to <laughs> plow it under, and they couldn't. Yeah. But most of the time, they would. It would be they would burn it, and then yes. all the cops would stand downwind from sure, from, and then they go. Well, we're we going to Dunkin' Donuts. You coming back Afterwards, hey. Yeah, that's...
1: Yeah, it's, it's like... All this it's stuff's like a, dangerous.
0: It's, it's like a scene out of
1: History of the World Part 1. Yeah. Hey, man. It's just the colors. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gregory Hines. That's it. That's right.
0: <laughs> <So>, Wacky Weedus. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a short break. We'll have some final messages when we come back.
2: Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in depth articles, columns, and exclusive content, not found anywhere else get the scoop and stay in the know sign up for the just ask the question newsletter now at substack.com slash j-a-t-q podcast
0: hi we're back it's just ask the question i am your host brian Caram, and talking about weed and the splendors thereof is comedian al sparks who's with the irony e- <laughs> the irony of it uh hal uh, Final thoughts. I uh, First of all, I, I do want you to plug where you can be seen uh, and how mm. we can see you. Uh, I'll give you that right now. How can we see infotainment
1: you? Infotainmentwars.com. We, we don't need the documents. We've got it all memorized. <laughs> infotainmentwars.com, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, uh, Alex Jones here at infotainmentwars.com. That's my YouTube channel. In, infotainmentwars.com will take you to my YouTube channel. <laughs> you can subscribe. And then, of course, at Hal Sparks on Twitch and Instagram and then the Hal Sparks page on Facebook
0: and where can we catch you is you were talking about uh well there were two we're
1: talking yeah. about
0: stand their stand-up gig and and
1: uh and music so yeah. uh every every two weeks at the whiskey on a tuesday night we do the ultimate jam night which uh next time uh, a week from this coming tuesday is uh carmen apiece is joining us he's going to do it he's He's a drummer who has been a part of so many different bands but he's going to be jumping up and doing he wrote he co-wrote uh do you think i'm sexy with Rod Stewart oh, when he was in nice. Rod Stewart's band. He he was in a band called Blue Murder. He's played with uh like people from, from like across the spectrum of rock. He's amazing. Um and uh he's going to be jumping up and doing like five songs with us. Everybody nobody rehearses. You just learn they tell you what song you're playing like a couple of days before, you learn it and then you on the downbeat you just go. That's fun. And so I I used to do it on the regular, just doing a couple of songs as a singer. And then um, Paulie, the guy who used to host it, uh, is is part. He's singing for Sweet now. He's their Uh new singer. So he's on the road with them. So I took over the hosting duties. So I sing, you know, a variety of stuff depending on the theme. Last week it was uh, Britain Rocks Part Two. So I did Peter Gabriel and uh, uh, Queen and Death Leopard. Um, Next next time I'm I'm I've got a series the time before that I did uh, Cinderella, um Gypsy Road and nice. um, yeah, and Spirit of the Radio by Rush, that kind of stuff. Um I got some notes in me. It's a good time. But we yeah. do that that's the ultimate jam night. It's lovely. It's every two tu- every other Tuesday at the Whiskey at Go Go on Sunset, the, the world famous Whiskey. And um well, where if the you Doors ever do, started
0: uh, crew. If you ever do uh, the Doors there, I'll i I'd be happy to join you doing Roadhouse Blues or LA Woman. I insist. Absolutely. Uh, well, and, yeah, and, if you're
1: in town, we'll make it, we'll make it happen. We, in, you like, in comedy? Yeah. And uh, then stand-up, for- I, yeah, so the Sexy Liberal uh, tour is going back on the road during the election year, starting next year. We have one gig this year at the Saban Theater in L.A., and then we're going out everywhere next year, full court press for the election cycle with uh, Stephanie Miller and John Fugelsang and Frangela. Oh, all um, friends all, of mine. Yeah. Yes, all of them, uh, like all of us going out and doing, we'll be in D.C., we'll be in, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, New York, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, everywhere. What's the last of Wednesday Obviously, of every? Port- last is, Wednesday. is it Flappers in Burbank? Yeah, that's the. Flappers. Uh, yeah, so, and that's all improv. I don't prep. As a matter of fact, I force myself not to write any jokes so that I can prep for the game. Uh, that's fun so too. That's fun yeah. too.
0: So, here, last couple of questions for you before we take off. Yep. Is there anything you won't make fun of? Is there anything that's sacrosanct to you that you can't joke about?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's not the not topic wise, but I, I do not make fun of people for things they cannot change. So I believe, for example, fat jokes are okay, depending if the person is fat, because they're slovenly or lazy or a bad diet, or they're just (laughs) shitty to themselves. But if they have a pituitary disorder or a a thyroid issue, no, if I, I don't make fun of the shape of someone's nose, unless they change their nose to something ridiculous.
0: Well, there are right. a few that have done that, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh,
1: I, I'm, you know, uh, noses that were perfectly fine. And this is as a fan yeah. of big noses, by the way. Um, <laughs> big fan. So, um, yeah, so if you can't, if, if it's a characteristic that I don't believe somebody can do anything about, I won't make fun of it. Right. Uh, physically, specifically. Now, if I do and people disagree about whether or not that's something that they can change, know that, and everybody needs to know that, I believe it's something they can change, or I wouldn't start down that road right, so from my point of view, I'm talking about something that's malleable and caused by effort on their part one direction or another so that that's the only real holdback like I won't make fun of you know somebody like you can you can laugh around something like you know the colombo jokes where he had a glass eye and sometimes it wasn't always looking the right direction yeah. and that's a part of peter falk but falk himself could joke about that as yeah. well and and the ability to do kind of this one eye straight ahead and <laughs> yeah. one eye tuck you do is funny well. in and of itself yeah it's pretty is a great gag and uh it's a gift. In and of itself right
0: <laughs> i was always afraid to do it i'd go cross-eyed and then never come back
1: yeah it doesn't work that way i mean you can any muscle can spasm but you know other than your heart it's not gonna yeah it's it won't stay that way so that's you know that's my general rule in that regard um but but that's because it's also and i think it's more about this the only things i won't joke about are things that i don't think are funny well there you there you go that that
0: and i think most things yeah. could be funny. That's I, yeah, I agree. A few things that I almost don't think everything can
1: be... can be funny, right? You're I gonna agree. die. Well, that's pretty fucking funny. But it's, it's pre- yeah, it, it's, it's certainly universal.
0: Yes, it's. <laughs> and then the last question I, I've asked everybody this this past week: Did you see the the Trump uh, uh, roadshow on CNN? His town yes, hall. Yes,
1: I did. As a matter of fact, I lost my Twitch channel temporarily because I live streamed and commented on it.
0: And what did you think of it?
1: I uh. I thought it was uh, atrocious. Um, I I do think there is a benefit to showing him unedited to certain groups of people. And yeah. also, even the group of people that supported him, like the applause he was getting Oof. from the sort of weird sycophants, while it's gross to normal thinking people, it's even more gross to people who are trying to get rid of him from their own party and that kind of stuff. It's yeah. very scary to them that he might have that support. And it might make them move a little more. Um, so... Balboo. Ultimately man. though. <laughs> if you, um I will say I will say that he didn't do himself any favors. He dug himself legally a couple of new holes, which was yeah. shocking because he's that stupid. And there's a thin line with him. And I think Caitlin walked it. I think she could have gone further in certain areas. He he tends to gish gallop. That's very common. Yes, where you know, and for the, the people that don't know what a gish gallop is, where you just you have so many lies in a debate that the person can't have time you to address all up. of them. <laughs> so yeah, so the audience assumes that out of the ten things that he said, you're only addressing the tenth thing. So the one through nine must be true, right. and that's what a gish gallop is for. He did he tends to do that anyways. There were a couple of moments where she interrupted his gish gallop, and that's what you have to do. Um, and she did a fr- right. and she didn't have to do it by much. She could just go, well, "That's not true." And yeah. then move on, because that drove him crazy. And if you looked at him, he was fucking miserable. The best part of the whole thing, and I think the part that people need to center in on is he was miserable. Oh, he you was, could tell he whole, was miserable.
0: <coughs> you, I, I took
1: pictures of him being.
0: And Caitlin's fine. I know her well. She's she's yep. a good reporter. Um, yep. To me, the the breakdown was: Do you believe in the statement? I disagree with what you say, but will defend yes. death your right to say it. Yes. If, if you agree with that, then yeah. you have to say he had a right to, to speak. I can no, find, no, no. I,
1: I agree. That's, yeah. those are, I, I would argue those are separate. I would argue they are to separate just, too. Because, However, there
0: are many people who don't find those to be separate. They believe sure, that- I
1: would say that it, that doesn't give him a right to CNN's microphone or make him valuable to the news cycle and a conversation in terms of what he's going to say until he releases some policy. That is somehow materially different in a written form or whatever. It's the same shit he said last time, yes. just uglier. It's the and same so, shit he
0: said for the last six years that I've heard right. in the White so House when he called me fake yeah. news and went after us.
1: Yeah, that's right. So it's it's it, it in that regard, it's not news. And if CNN, it, you know, isn't going to stay the chicken noodle network as it was known, um, uh, and <laughs> if they're talking, if their job is news, that ain't news. Him saying that shit that way. Ain't, isn't news now and there is a couple of moments where caitlin made news caitlin in, in a couple of areas by pushing back on him made him because he's a defensive asshole go further down the road of incriminating himself yes. in these conversations than he would have had he been talking to somebody who was supportive It's one of the reasons he only does interviews with people who are supportive because they don't press him on things and he just says the the same like be- Nine beats, he says, when he's doing a rally, it's like muscle memory at this yeah. point. When by interrupting up, his flow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. By by interrupting his flow and making him defensive, which she she did a couple times, and having yeah. a woman do it is crucial because he can't take shit from a woman. It's that it's a character issue. Oh, he that he's can't take shit from anybody, life. but he's scared of women. I I right, find that's him, what I mean. Yeah, he's scared of women.
0: He's Strongly petrified. Right. Frighten him.
1: Right. Right. And he has total contempt for women because he has low self-esteem. I, I will, I will yes. die on this hill that he's not a narcissist at all. Nar- coming from, Trust me, as a narcissist, I can tell you, this man does not like his reflection. I yeah. happen to love my reflection in a bank mirror. He fucking hates it.
0: That doesn't make you and- a narcissist. <laughs> <That's> a-
1: <laughs> let, me, let me enjoy myself while I'm yeah, at it, right. Brian. Get, no,
0: no, to- there you go. It makes you want to enjoy yourself.
1: yeah exactly you know what i'm saying somebody's got to so but uh he's got terminally low self-esteem it's why he has contempt for any woman that would sleep with him and he thinks all women are whores because the only women that will stay with him are the ones who are there he thinks for his money because he's seen his own reflection and he's like what what self-respecting woman would go anywhere near me that's not narcissism that's low self-esteem and when a woman won't a- acquiesce to that thing I've got money therefore you have to sleep with me because women are disgusting whores and they don't have any worth other than that if a woman violates that that narrow zone that women are supposed to stay in that's when he calls them nasty women and he gets upset by it and if they have a point of control over him it's even worse Yeah. and in Caitlin's point she had the ability to call for a break or she had the ability right. to stop the conversation if she chose to and that makes him very nervous that's why it should always be a woman in any calling any debate that he's in because it, it will always put him on his heels because it will even the floor with anybody else he's talking to because he can't just go into lame attack mode that said when uh, at the end um, when he said finally you're a nasty woman you're, you're a nasty person um it was because he was aware at that point that she she was corralling him yeah. into saying what into being defensive defending himself by saying something braggadocious The problem with crime is, is that if you brag further about the crime, um, you you yourself. you've got this, yeah, yeah, you're goddamn right I did. You you want me on that wall. That's the moment you find (laughs) yourself in. And you get there because somebody makes you defensive and your ego can't take the hit. You're so brittle that you can't just go, think what you want. He's very brittle. Yes, he's very brittle. But at the Um, same
0: time, he likes to fight. Uh, And I give her credit for asking the question that I asked. In the briefing room six weeks before the election, would he accept the results of an election? When I asked right. it, he gave pretty much the same answer he gave her. And yeah. if it's an honest election, the only way he believes it's an honest election is if he it, wins. Is if he wins. Right. Otherwise, he thinks it's, you know, it, it was a setup. So yeah, right. I give her
1: points for those. There's also a there's also a premise where legally he is going to use this setup in terms of the Georgia case. And he yes. tried to do it with the classified documents thing, but he fucked up because he he said I was there and I chose those things, which he really yeah. ate shit in that moment. That was the get. That's the moment I'm talking about where he became oh. defensive and walked further down the road. In the case of the Georgia, uh, he his one way out is I thought the election was rigged. There were a hundred thousand votes that were mine, and these guys had them, and I just wanted a few of them. We'll figure out the rest of them later. Right. That defense that. He thinks, and it's not enough to cover the actions,
2: because no. again,
1: just because your wife's cheating on you doesn't mean you get to kill her. The killing part is still the crime, even if you <laughs> it was true or not, right? Just, right. You're like, but your honor, she was cheating on me. I thought she was cheating on me. She was so I got the kids the from killer. school. It was but I, yeah, but I thought, I, you right, I thought she was cheating on me at the time. Like, right? Yeah, that, yeah exactly. He thinks She's that's enough it. of a defense. It isn't because the actions of calling the governor and trying to get them to to circumvent the legal means going through the courts, for example, to get those votes, that was the illegal part. And he yeah. can't, and he, he's too stupid to understand that, but he thinks. Well, so are most reporters, but don't get me started. That's true. <laughs> I understand, but he's going to, he'll be, he recognizes that there's two areas where he's in trouble. He can argue that he didn't believe that he thought as commander in chief, he had the right to demand a good election, whatever. He'll, he'll use that as a defense, but he thinks by the innocence, Via ignorance, Floyd will save him from an extra 10, 12 year sentence or a bigger fine right. or whatever bigger deal on that. And he's right. So if he can shave off, if the jury can say what he did was illegal, but he was dumb, not conniving, that will. Well, we're only take going to give it him off.
0: three years instead of 20.
1: Right. Exactly. I, th- and I still
0: think the actuarial tables are going to get him. And I don't believe he's going to be on the ballot come November. I, I agree. I, he's I, got
1: bigger fish to fry uh and he's already given us
0: his out he's already said i can run but if a doctor says uh you know yes mr trump and i think he's going to use that at some point in time ago i'd like to run but you know but he's going to tear everything asunder and grift until then the funniest part i thought of that night uh of of the town hall Mm -hmm. was most of the commercials were in-house promotions but the very first commercial and the very first break was ron desantis going we ain't going nowhere we ain't go nowhere. That's. that's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the new face of fascism.
1: That's, yeah, can I show you something? Um, yeah, the dude's dude's not running, but in never back in down. Nevada, yeah. ne- Nevada, I'm getting this shit in the mail.
0: Oh yes, me too. In D.C. and in L.A. Yep. Yeah. So, so uh, this this is he going knows. on. he's
1: he knows <laughs> he's just waiting and waiting and waiting, and the minute Trump can't run, half of in. Trump supporters. Will jump to DeSantis, giving him a lead over everybody else, but the other half of Trump supporters will blame DeSantis for shivving Trump, yes. never trust him, and shave off a 30% wedge in the electorate going into 2024. And Biden will roller skate into a second term. Yes. I I I agree with all of that. So, yep. hey, we've solved the
0: world's problems, and we
1: did it in record time. <laughs> yes, and we're going to – and at some point, we're going to make it happen that we're going to play music together. Oh, that's, I would love to. Yeah,
0: well, i love to. As fellow,
1: Absolutely. As, and by the way, are you a Kentucky colonel? I am. Yes. Yeah, are you one
0: yet? You yeah, are? I got, I got to be a Kentucky colonel uh, through my uncle, and it was uh, – so it was uh, during – this is how old it was. It was during the uh, uh, Louis Nunn administration when I was oh, a kid. shit.
1: Yeah, we were so, John. I was John Y. Brown. Oh, so, I, I have a know. John
0: Y. Brown story for
1: you, but we'll save that for,
0: <laughs> I'd love to have yes. you back, Cal. You, you, the you,
1: Kentucky would, Chronicles. I love that idea.
0: Yeah. would you? Uh, I, I, I'm inviting you back. I'd love to have you back. If, if
1: I'd if, love to do it. Yeah. Right. And we'll, we'll have to do it in the, in the, we'll do it live in the little theater in Frankfurt, uh, whatever oh, the little civic theater thing. That would be fun.
0: That would be fun. Yeah. fun.
1: Alrighty. I, well, I like it. We'll figure out.
0: Thanks. It's Just Ask a Question. I am your host, Brian Kiram. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.